A little magic in the air. Ah, we must spell. A little magic in the air. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the first song on Queen's amazing, groundbreaking, game changer of an album, Sheer Heart Attack. I'm so stoked to be talking about this today. We're getting through it. I'm super sad to leave behind the incredible Queen 2, which is one of my very, very favorite Queen albums. And we're getting into Sheer Heart Attack here, which, as I mentioned previously, took a little more time to grow on me. When I first bought it, I thought, this is really different. It's kind of a contrast to the earlier work of the boys. But that's very important, and it's a good thing it happened. Because again, we get this evolution of sound. We're starting to hear the classic Queen sound. Lots of variety, and their skills put to such good, strategic, sophisticated use here. It's not so bombastic. It's not so over the top. It's a little bit more reined in, if you will. Not to say that we're lacking any energy here. Of course, we're still rocking out hardcore, but things are a lot more restrained. And it's fantastic. Very calculated fantasticness. So this song, ladies and gents, is Brighton Rock. Brighton, if you're not familiar with it, is a city on the coast of England. It's sort of the southwest coast. And it's a place where, especially at the time in the 70s, a lot of people would go on holiday and hang out. There's a promenade. People would have a good time. So Brian wrote this song to recognize and celebrate that culture. This is dive number 22. Ooh, track number one, of course, on sheer heart attack. Brian's composition, uh uh-huh. He wrote this song and it was written in 73 and 74. He began writing it during the sessions for Queen 2. This is classic glam hard rock. Several different descriptors that we could use here, but that is the best succinct description I could come up with. Never a single, but hey, this track is very, very noteworthy because of the music, the techniques it contains, and we'll get into that in a minute here. 138 BPM, so pretty fast, kicking it off with a lot of caffeine, as it were. We're in 4-4 time signature with occasional anomalies here and there. And only two keys, B major and E major. This is all about, yes, Brighton, the wonderful city of Brighton. But we're also singing about fictional lovers, Jenny and Jimmy, who meet in Brighton while on holiday or vacation for you fellow Americans of mine. And more about this, there was a term they used called mods, which was this subculture of British music and style. A little bit rebellious. These people frequented public holiday or bank holiday outings, yes, to locations like Brighton on the coast. So this was a somewhat popular song narrative at the time and also used in the Who's Quadrophenia. Yeah. And I'm sure there's other songs as well that mention this trend and this theme, but that is another noteworthy one. This is a fast and furious and enthusiastic kickoff rock number that features dynamic hocket effect vocals from Freddie, 
and some backing vocals from Brian as well. Impulsive and impressive drumming from Roger, John's expressive bass lines, and of course, Brian's excessive and excellent guitar solo. The guitar solo here makes use of the Echoplex device, creating multiple delays of guitar harmonies, and was the longest solo Queen ever featured in a song. Now or anything forward, this is the longest solo we get, and it's the centerpiece for the track, appropriately so, as this is Brian's composition. And immediately, this number ushers in a more polished and sophisticated rock style with less excessive arrangements, employing, again, carefully considered layers of sound. Gone are the bombastic, progressive rock songs of early Queen. This begins their ascent of dominating rock charts and commanding crowds in bigger concerts. This was where Queen became Queen, as we would come to know them and love them. Let's talk a little bit more about the guitar solo of this song. It has a long and interesting history. It began in the late 60s as a solo in Smile's Blag, which was one of several songs the pre-Queen band recorded. Remember, Smile had Brian May, Roger Taylor, and bassist and vocalist Tim Staffel. This is the band that would become Queen. So when Queen performed earlier songs from their first album live, like in 73, early 74, Brian included a variation of this solo in the song Son and Daughter. Use of this canon is in earlier Queen songs as well, such as Modern Times Rock and Roll, My Fairy King, and of course, Seven Seas of Rye, just to name a few. And live, Brian would often extend this solo upwards of, I think the longest was about 15 minutes when including Roger's timpani solo. They performed this song 351 times, mostly in the 70s and occasionally in the mid 80s when they added it back onto the set list. On the album, Brian made use of one echo to create this layer of sound, this echo, but live, he'd often employ multiple echoes to create even more interesting challenging and complex arrangements. And worth noting is Roger's falsetto singing during live performances while he maintains the aggressive drumming techniques. The energy of the song live generally is simply fantastic. Some songs, as I've mentioned previously, just don't translate as well on the stage for whatever reason. It's, it's funny because we know the guys are perfectly capable of sounding bigger than just the four of them on stage, but some tracks for whatever reason, just don't have the same magic. This one does. And the guys managed to play the number with just as much energy outside the studio as in, due in large part, I think, to Roger's dynamic use of his drum set and Brian's endless array of guitar tricks. So these guys did incredibly well with Brighton Rock Live. And of course, with the additional solo, which was always varied by Brian. He never did exactly the same thing. He'd always do unique licks, riffs. There were themes. He would often play, for example, Three Blind Mice, and he would do some other much more classical flavored arrangements in these solos. But generally, you could count on these being pretty unique from performance to performance. A little band critique for you from the boys themselves about Brighton Rock. In a Guitar World interview, Brian said, quote, 
I started messing around with the Echoplex, the delay that was available at the time. I turned up the regeneration until it was giving me multiple repeats. I discovered you could do a lot with this. You could set up rhythms and play against them, or you could play a line and then play a harmony to it. But I decided that the delay, the times I wanted, weren't available on the Echoplex. So I modified it and made a new rail, which meant I could slide the head along and make the delay any length I wanted. Eventually, I had two home-adapted Echoplexes, and I discovered that if you put each Echo through its own amp, you wouldn't have any nasty interference between the two signals. Each amp would be like a full-blown, sustaining, overdriven guitar, which didn't have anything to do with the other one. This is essential. If you're familiar with audio ins and outs, feedback, etc. You cannot have signals too close to each other. Otherwise, you end up with this absolutely horrific, screaming, piercing feedback sound, right? Everybody knows when that happens. It's awful. It makes you cringe. It makes you want to run. It makes you want to hit the ground and curl up into a ball. So Brian, a little bit of audio engineering on his part here. I wonder if John helped him out with that at all. John, of course, is the professional audio engineer. But of course, all of these guys were well-versed in techniques, production, especially at this point. They'd been in the studio quite a bit experimenting. And as Freddie said previously, this was the album where they really went out and explored different techniques without necessarily going completely overboard. Some fun facts about Brighton Rock. It was written during the making of Queen 2, yes, but it wasn't finished in time for the album, and it also didn't quite fit with the white-black concept. So the band held on to the track, and this proved to be a great decision as the song opens this album perfectly. Billboard featured Brighton Rock at number 16 on their 25 best Queen songs in 2018. And the track features a carnival atmosphere sound, including a person whistling, I do like to be beside the seaside, which is a nod to the previous album's closer and its playful end with the boys all singing that tune. This song also had multiple alternative working titles, including, uh, I'm not going to say it, but I'm not going to say the whole thing, but happy little f- <laughs> And of course, Skiffle Rock, among others. Now, lastly, regarding the earlier mentioned Hockett effect, this technique has roots way back, like 13th century back, and is a rhythmic linear alternation of notes or pitches. Particularly in medieval performances, a single melody is shared between two or more voices. So we'll get into how Freddie did that as we go through the song in detail. I could not find any criticism from critics about this song, and it's probably because of how absolutely fantastic it is as not just an opening number for the guys, but featuring Brian on his guitar, the techniques that are so well employed by all the boys, the performances that are spot on, of course. Interesting though, I couldn't find a whole lot of critics praise. Everybody loves the solo, of course. In fact, Guitar World ranked Brian's solo 41st on their list of 100 greatest guitar solos of all time. This solo in Brighton Rock is ranked 41st. Pretty incredible. Absolutely amazing. But other than the guitar solo praise, there's not a whole lot else said. People do talk about Roger's fantastic use of drumming techniques here. That's worth noting, absolutely. And John, of course, his bass is so 
well. It's just so tight. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the production of this song, which carries throughout the whole album of Sheer Heart Attack. And then, of course, there's Freddie. Absolutely fantastic Freddie. I could just start saying FF for him, which sounds weird, but really, I feel like I say that all the time. He is fantastic here. His performance, the way he shifts from his falsetto to his chest voice, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into it right now. So the song Breakdown, it opens with this carnival fun, rides, laughter, whistling. It sounds kind of industrial, kind of busy. And then we hear that, that whistling that I do like to be beside the seaside. There's a subtle fade in of guitars echoing and circling that atmosphere, trickling down the scale, winding into a rhythm. It's sneaky the way the guitar comes in. Clearly, this is Brian's piece straight out the gate. Catchy, offbeat guitar riffs build the urgency with layers of sound and the drums appear as we explode into the verse. I want to point out again, how absolutely incredible Roger's drumming is. This track is all Brian's, but Roger's drum work is just impeccable, including the role that takes us into the verse. Freddie bursts in, in loud falsetto, singing from Jenny's perspective. A happy pair they made, so decorously laid, neath the gay illuminations all along the promenade. Such fabulous songwriting from Brian. Nicely done. And throughout the verse, the catchy guitar chords trade off with tightly woven bass and drums. Everything is polished and bright and shiny. It feels stronger, despite a less chaotic and even less loud arrangement. Again, the guys make great use of strategic balance in sound. Toward the end of the verse, the energy intensifies with a chord change, rising in tone, contrasted with Freddie falling into full chest voice with the lyric, magic in the air. I'll weave my spell. A riff, a quick repeat of the introductory chords, and the next verse begins with Freddie in the lower octave this time, singing from Jimmy's perspective. Now, a few more aggressively bluesy guitars arrive. Brian effortlessly plays with lyrical quality, as always, creating this jovial atmosphere that's perfectly rounded with Roger's many tricks on percussion, including cowbell and lots of cymbals, of course, and John's glorious bass. Sounds drop out, and with a quick drum roll, we're into the unofficial chorus, which is perfectly queen with dynamic vocal harmonies, thanks to both Freddie and Brian. The vocals hit on the offbeat, and the bass emphasizes those harmonies as the drums keep us on tempo on the onbeat. So there's this really great contrast that you don't really notice until you sit back and pick it apart, but it fits perfectly, totally catchy, and easily sung, very hummable. The chords in this section create a celebratory, anthematic, and rousing energy, keeping us on our toes and continuing to surprise as the section winds down. The guitar and bass continue on the offbeat with a repeating motif of power chords and the drums once again remain on beat with aggressive snares and cymbals. And then with a crash, a massive crash, we're often running into the centerpiece of Brighton Rock. Brian and his solo, or solos as it were, a soulful lick, another hit, another lick and a riff and a ride. And this solo feels like it starts and stops. (laughs) about 10 times, but it's perfectly done. Some fun percussion with Raj riding the cymbal and perfectly placing snares and crashes against John and Brian's simultaneous chords. Another appearance of the offbeat chords from guitar and bass. And then finally, Brian takes center stage. All the growls, 
and licks and soulfulness. If there was any doubt regarding Brian's skill, it disappears completely when you listen to this. How much rehearsing and playing around he did, we may never know, but this solo feels perfect with clever panning back and forth, making great use of that echo plex. All the rules of scales and pitches thrown out the window and Brian hits notes chromatically down the scale counterpoint with guitars going up and down simultaneously, pentatonic scales, having all the fun in the world. After his multiple health scares, Brian certainly played his heart out here and you can't blame him. His use of dynamics is fun and attention grabbing. He sinks into a soft and luscious climb up the scale before the riff repeats and fades out and the bass and drums suddenly reappear. With a crash, we fall into the last verse with Freddie trading off between falsetto and chest voice, that wonderful hocket effect as the romantic rendezvous comes to an end with glorious rocking riffs and rolls and oh, the fun, fabulousness of it all. So polished, so poised, yet edgy and hard-hitting and fun. The guys close it out with another memorable set of hummable guitars and catchy drums, ending as high as ever on a cymbal and drum-filled crash. And that is all Brighton Rock. What a fun little opening number for the guy's third album. It's interesting, too, that we've had this wonderful evolution and improvement of performance and production with the guys. This is their third album, remember? They're still broke. Haven't had a major, major hit just yet, but they're just getting better and better. Things are looking up more and more. This is no one-hit wonder band, and I think this was the moment where people realized Queen had a lot more to offer than just one or two songs that were rockin' hard. You know, there's a lot more character here. There's a lot more heart here, a lot more intention, and Brighton Rock is the perfect kickoff for this album that just sees them continue to soar higher and higher into creative heights. This is a fabulous opening number. Go check it out. Go check out Brighton Rock. Go check out any number of live performances. We've got the 76 Boston performance. We've got the live Killers performance. There's tons for you to choose from. And of course, you can go back and find early live performances of Son and Daughter from the guy's first album in which Brian put a little bit of his guitar solo into that track. In fact, if you go listen to Queen at the BBC, which includes live performances in the studio from both their first and second albums, you can hear some of Brian's guitar solo from Brighton Rock in Son and Daughter. Have a great time with Brighton Rock. Have a great time diving into this wonderful third album with me. I'll be back next time to talk more Queen, of course. In the meantime, <laughs> you know what I'm going to say, keep yourselves alive. And I'll be back. Until next time, have a great rest of the day.